this is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net. The music you hear in the background is called Enough, written and composed by Jeff Brisbane. All that information will be in the show notes, along with information about my guest today. So for those of you who listen to Avoid the Maze, you know that we're really not telling you to avoid life and the obstacles. But what we try to do is give you a little bit of background about each of our guests who, you know, they've been down this maze. And maybe they have some ideas that will, you know, really resonate with you and allow you to um, not get stuck in the middle, in a corner, uh, and have to scream for help. My guest today is Dr. Barrett Matthews. And um, Barrett, it looks like you were into media before uh, many of my listeners even knew what media was. I mean, maybe they turned on the radio, turned on their TV, but we didn't really use the word media like we do today. So give us a little bit of background and especially because I noticed you have a title. It is called (laughs) civility ambassador. And Mm -hmm. I am jealous because I love titles. The only (laughs) title I have is mom or wife. So those are some big titles now. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some big titles. I, I I mean, I'm, of course I'm not a woman, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I got to show respect for those titles. My mother would kill me if I didn't. But <laughs> but as far as background, I like the way you you subtly put that that I'm old. But um, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've been I've been in media for quite some time. And a little bit of background on me, I was in college, and that's when I actually changed my major to the media. I was started out as an architecture major, which kicked my butt up and down the place. And um, then I changed my major. And I actually didn't know what I wanted to change to until my sister said, well, you've always been interested in television and radio. And kind of like what you were saying, I was thinking, well, isn't everybody? I, I, you know, I didn't think of it as a major. And when I changed, everything This got easy for me. And it was fun. And I enjoyed what I was doing. And I, I'm, I'm heavily into sports. So I got, I was the sports anchor on campus news station. I, I reported news stories for the newspaper on, on various topics, but I um, hosted a post-game uh, TV show. I used to call games on the radio. I ended up becoming the sports director of the radio station. And then I did a lot of internships with, with news stations. I did uh, some sports internships with news stations. And I, I did one in Washington, D.C. Um, with uh, WSA TV. And I got to meet a gentleman there who was a, at that time was a weekend sports anchor and sometimes a fill-in sports anchor. We all know him now because you see him on everything, sportscaster James Brown. And he took me under his wing and then actually, he actually put in a good word for me when I got out of college and I got a job as assistant director for the news station. And then he called me again, asked me, hey, how'd you like to come up to the network at CBS? I'm like, which was a dream of mine. Didn't expect to do it two years out of college. And then I, so I was working in New York. So I, I had a, a, a rare Two rare occurrences happened. I worked for a major news station in a major market in Washington, D.C., and then I got a chance to work for the network, which these things are rare, and right. I 
very, very early on. Because a lot of people they have to, you know, have to pay their dues in the small, small, small towns for nothing. I never did that, which was which was very, very rare. And it it, it taught me a lot. Taught me a lot of things that I still use today. Taught me a lot of things I don't want to use <laughs> as well. But it, 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 that helped me. I sense of you know I, I got away from the media after a while because I had some bad experiences, and I had to avoid the maze. And then um, I I got I, I always say just like the the Godfather movie, it kept pulling me back in in one way or another. Something kept happening to pull me. Oh, oh, I don't know what I don't know what that noise was. So I don't know if you heard it, <laughs> but something something kept pulling me back into the media, and then um, you know I I I started uh doing radio shows and blog talk radio and podcasting. Next thing I know, I'd written three books. I don't know how that happened. And um, so I, now, did you want to go into the civilian ambassador now? Or did you want to come back to that? Because that was just my background. Well, and you know. I think it's interesting because uh, I graduated high school in 1968. No way. All, oh, yes. Yes. No yes. way. Every way. I'll show you my birth certificate. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have guessed that. Not well, have... well, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but when I was graduating, I have to tell you the last two years of my high school, um, I took every communication course I could fit in. Mm -hmm. um, and I just felt this calling. It was like, you, you're you using your voice when you're giving a speech. You're using your voice when you are on a debate team. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember coming home to my parents as I was filling out applications for college. And I said, I want to be a communication broadcasting major. Uh-huh. And my parents looked at me and they said, no way. No, we're not going to waste our money. <clears throat> and my father looked at me very, you know, distinctly and said, you tell me how many women are making it on the news today? Well, I didn't want to be Betty for Dan, for Dan. And, you know, here's a refrigerator. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, it, it's changed. You know, there weren't a lot of role models, but there were a few. Yeah, you're and, right. And, um, so my parents said, you know, you can go to college, but you're going to get a teaching certificate. And I that, said, okay. That's the way it was. You're right. <laughs> but I registered for every communications class mm. my first two years in school. And all of a sudden I was told, you know what? You have an associate degree in broadcasting. I was so proud. I called my parents up and said, in two weeks, there's a graduation. I'm going to be in it. My mother said, how'd you finish four years in two years? And when I told them, they mm -hmm. said, you're going to pack your bags after your final and you're coming home. And it was like, we're not going to pay anymore because you defied us. Wow. And it took me, let's see. So that was about 1970. Mm -hmm. It took me till about... 2008 or nine. Okay. When podcasting was just starting to be a thing, but nobody uh -huh. really knew that it yeah. existed. Yeah. yeah. And I told the corporation where I work, uh, I want to add this to what I do. And they looked at me and said, fine, whenever, just can't do it during your 40 hours, make it your 
41st your 42nd yeah yeah and that's what i did and that's how i started yeah. growing so i love this story you know both you and i were supposed to be in theory on different paths mm -hmm. but you know what we had a passion and yeah it shows in your bio that yeah you i mean it, my my family we i mean my, my father and my mother both worked for the government for 30 some years and we and you were expecting to work in the government or go into teaching, because that's what that's what all my right. my aunts did. They either worked for the government or, or work for work in teaching. So yeah, I get it. It it was it was a I think something of those times. That's what you did. And we weren't taught back then to follow our passion. No, we were not. We and were told we were told we could do anything, but when you did it. Whoa, no, you're not, you can't do that. <laughs> right, exactly. So you have a saying here, which, um, you know, I'm a little confused about, but I think I understand it. Mm -hmm. It says, is it really possible to be everywhere at once? Because you believe you should be everywhere at once. Mm -hmm. How can we do that? Media. Media. It, it's funny because Karen, a lot of times when I say media, everyone thinks social media. And right. that's one form of media. That's only one form. You have books, you have television, as we just mentioned. We have radio, as we just mentioned. You have film. That's another form. You have online streaming. That's another, that's another form of media. There are various forms of media. If you put your content and have a presence on every form of media, you will be everywhere all at once. Because the thing is, is that people consume information through one, at least one form of media or another. Right. And I always tell people, I said, if you only, let's say like, if you only did a podcast, there are a great number of people to listen to podcasts, but that doesn't mean that there are more people out, there aren't more people out there that want to know what you have to say that don't listen to podcasts. Exactly. Some of them may watch a Roku channel. And if you don't have one, you're missing that group. So that's why I tell people, you can be everywhere. I always like, like to use the example of the comedian, Kevin Hart. And uh, I, said, I said, I don't care if you think Kevin is funny or not. You will not ignore him because he's everywhere. And he does that by design. You know, he has, he has podcasts. He has streaming TV shows. He has feature films. He has documentary films. He has books. He has audio books. He's on social media. He's on commercials. He does that by design because as you and I both know, in entertainment, you have to stay relevant. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And the same applies for business. <laughs> so I'm glad that you explained it that way. I wasn't quite sure that was the direction you were going. I knew going. you got it. I knew uh, you got it. <laughs> but it's interesting because there are some people out there that um, when they see you in all these different formats, mm -hmm. okay? In fact, I was just told last week by my accountant, uh, Karen, you, you need to do TikTok. You just need to do it. And mm -hmm. there's something about TikTok that I'm not totally comfortable with yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and he says, I don't care. It, you don't have to be comfortable. People will see it. It'll be fine. But, right. you know, I realize that when I can be in all these different forms, my listeners expand. And now exactly. I understand why they expand, because all of a sudden they're connecting 
either who I am or what my my show is about. And it's like, oh, yeah, I know about that. Oh, or I need to know more about that. Right. But there are other people out there, especially in the industry, mm-hmm. who are very resentful of people like you and I who are trying to be everywhere at the same time. Good for us. Yep. They say they say if you don't have people hating on you, you're not doing anything. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, so when did you identify the fact that uh, being in being everywhere at the same time was your motivation to grow? That's a great question because it, it actually kind of ties into what your story actually. As you were saying, like back then, there were no females that were, you know, prevalent on you know, on the on the media at all. Right. And you know, it was one of those things that, that media was different then. Even if you wanted to be on someone's TV show as a guest or on radio show, you had to know a producer or someone had to really think your story was compelling enough. Same with nobody would write a newspaper article about you. There was no such thing as self-publishing a book back then nobody right. does things and what's happened now is that media has evolved now, now you're talking back 1970 i'm talking about 1988 when i started working in in media and still it was the back as i as i described it it had not changed i noticed that in the i'd say well around like you said around 2008 2010 when we started getting a little bit of control meaning that you could start your own podcast, you could do, do blog talk radio, have your own show. Uh, you could start, then, then as time changed, we started doing self-publishing books. Then you, you look at, we have Roku TV and Amazon TV, where you can actually have your own, not only your own TV show, but your own TV channel. And now people are taking these little devices and, sh- and shooting films with the, with the right. iPhone. Their own film. So it's now I'm realizing that, you know, a lot of people are still thinking the way of the past, but we don't have to. We actually can control our media now and put ourselves in all these different places because there are paradigms out there that we have bought into. And that is that one, uh, know where these ideal clients are, this avatar that they say, and go to where those people are. First of all, I say that's wrong. You need to know who they are, know where they are, but put your media where they can find you, not you going to find them. And I always use the example, I say McDonald's doesn't come knock on your door and say, hey, we have Big Macs down the street. What McDonald's does is they make it so that you can always find them when you're hungry. Very interesting. And if the, because see, here's the thing. If you have something to offer to sell to the public, they, they'll get it when they need it. Not when you want to go bring it to them. <laughs> they'll get it when they need it. So they're looking for it. But if you're not where they can find you, they'll go to someone else. Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. You so know. you need to make yourself where they, where the public can find you. And that's where you can use all forms of media because you don't know where they're looking. And that goes to the other paradigm that people tell us. They always tell us, you know, find one thing and drill down on that. Just keep doing that. Keep doing that. Well, okay, that's good. So let's say you're you're an author. You write books and it's drill down on that book. Keep marketing that book. Keep marketing that book. Everybody that can be your client does not read books. 
<laughs> so some people like listening to audio. Some people like watching video. And if you're not meeting them where they are, then they're not going to find you and they're not going to be able to pay you. And, you know, interestingly enough, when I started podcasting, mm -hmm. it was audio. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't understand the format 100%. So I didn't yeah. know that I could get it on Apple and Google and yeah, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But once I figured that out, of course, I I did that. Uh -huh. And then t just a little over two years ago, mm -hmm. um, I was talking to one of my podcasters and they said, why aren't we doing this in video? Because some people need to see you. Yeah. To identify, are you telling me the truth? Do you know what you're talking about? I need to look at you, because yeah. audio, you might get an image of somebody and go, hey, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, and so I said, That's a great point. easily, we can do it on Zoom. Why not? Yeah. And some of our shows, we actually do it live on Zoom. We let people know ahead of time. Again, mm -hmm. for those people who can easily get to it as it's live. But then again, people can listen to it months, years yeah. down the road. And, and I'm sure you've noticed, Karen, that the with a, a, a video audience and an audio audience, those are two separate people. Absolutely. Two separate yep. groups of people. And, and I tell people, I said, just by making that little change right there, you've got brought in another audience. You know, yep. and, and people that, that now if you have a product or service to sell, now you've got more people in, in your pipeline. So it's just, it's just that little, that little change right there by turning on your camera. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, and we blog a good portion of our shows. I, that, that's another and, form of media. Exactly. I mean, I think about um, a little over six years ago, my mother got ill and I spent two and a half months with her uh, through end of life. And I was um, recording from her place. And so one day I said to her, mom, I'm going out in the living room. I've got it. And she didn't understand podcasts. So I just said, I'm doing my radio show. She grabbed my hand and she said, are you a famous person on the radio? And I said, yes, I am. There you on go. My program. I am famous. And I've thought about that. And so when people will ask me, yeah, I am. I'm famous. What does that mean? It means something different to everybody. But if you're asking that question, that's important to you. So yes. why should I say no? And then have you say, oh, I'm not going to listen. Instead, yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's funny, funny story real quick. I, um, a few years ago, I was hosting a blog talk radio show with a partner. And it was, um, what was it called? Um, Revenue Radio was the name of the show. And I was, I went to this gala and I had a date. She had flown in town and I was telling her, cause she was just saying, oh yeah, you're like a celebrity. I said, I am not, nobody knows me. And so we get to the, we get to the gala and I give my name to the girl who's uh, getting the tickets. And she said, Barrett Matthews, Barrett Matthews from the radio show? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then, so then, like the next, the I think the next day, my my friend and I, we went to this out to the rest to a restaurant, and this woman in the parking lot, she says, "Aren't you Barrett Matthews?" I'm like, "Oh my god!" And my friend is cracking up, laughing. I said, "Trust me, this has never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> this has never happened before."
So I know for me, as I said in the beginning, when I wanted to go into communications and broadcasting, um, as a woman, there just weren't a lot of places for me. Here you are in the 80s. What was it like for a black man? Because up until recently, almost every TV station yeah. um, is was prominently white on the screen. Yeah, it was and, it was it was different, but not as different as I would have liked. I put it like this. Okay. When I, first of all, I was working in Washington, DC, which was a predominantly black area. So that was not it was not odd to see black people on TV in Washington, DC. But and I tell people this, I encountered the most racism in New York. Really? Yeah. That I mean, I remember, I remember me and my my boss who was black and a couple of other people in our department were black. We would literally see people go by our department and just stop and stare. And it was yeah. I I mean, even even in the streets trying to get a cab in New York, couldn't get couldn't I stood up a dinner date one time because of that. It was it was just an interesting time. But working working at CBS at that time, I saw not just racism, I saw sexism, I saw nepotism, I saw I saw all the isms I saw I saw there at, at that time. It was it was interesting. And I'm I pray that that has changed since then, but <laughs> so I'm, I'm not so yeah. sure uh, it's a prayer but um but i pray that those things have changed since then but I, I remember a young lady who a black woman who was who was hired at the same time as me we, we interviewed for kind of a production assistant position and i got a i got a position lower than that and it was given to a caucasian young man who had no experience I had experience, but they gave me the position lower than that. They gave her the position of a secretary. And she she took it just to get her foot in the door. But um, she ended up actually suing them for, uh, for a sexual harassment case. Yeah, it was. You know, and it's sad. We hope that these things will change. They yeah. should be. And in some areas, they are. Okay. In some areas, you can feel comfortable with it. They are. You are judged for being you, not not your sexual orientation, not the right. color of your skin, and not your age. And, yeah. Um, I mean, I loved. I appreciate when you said you didn't believe. You know that I was seventy-two, but I still, I still find that hard to believe. <laughs> but you know, I had to leave corporate America because mm. I was in my sixties. Because they kept saying to me, don't you want to retire? Wouldn't you like to just be sitting around and, you know, not putting in your 50 and 60 hours worth of work? And I kept saying, I love my job. Right. I don't like the culture here, but I love my job. And I'm helping my students. And that's what I want to do. And they just made it unbearable for me. Yeah, that and that's what they do. That that's what they do. It, it it's funny because I'm a I'm a I'm a spiritual person, and I, I I'm a follower of the Bible. And I, that's I tell somebody I said the Bible never mentions retirement. That's a man made thing. So it's yep. <laughs> like you work till you can't work anymore, and it's if you, it, you know, it's just you serve you serve until you can't serve anymore. Well, and that was always my joke that one day somebody was going to come in 
and they'd find me underneath my desk, you know, that I had passed away during the night. Um, you did it your way, right? Yeah. But when, when people were approaching me about it, and especially HR, mm-hmm. um, that was the first time I really saw ageism. But when mm. I was seeing the ageism, I also looked around a lot of sexism and I didn't realize how many of my black colleagues were not even being treated as well as yeah. I was and I was yeah. not being treated well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't be true. Yeah. yeah. It was it was um like I said, it was an interesting time um then and I, and I said I learned some things that I definitely don't want to uh repeat, but I learned some things that you know that I took away from it. And I remember when it came time for my contract to be up and they decided uh, to let me go. And I remember one of my college professors saying to me, you haven't worked in television until you've been fired. So, (laughs) So, So that stayed in my head. So actually, because he said that, I didn't take it as hard as it, which bothered them because they thought that I was going to be like, really, because I would come back up and visit some of my friends and they'd be like, what's he doing here? What's he, what's he going to do something crazy? I'm like, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about you all like that. <laughs> like, I just came back to visit my friends. It, it was just so funny. But I, um, yeah, it, it was one of those things that I noticed, you know, different people being treated differently from for different reasons. And it just wasn't something that I liked, but it, it 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 is it is how we operate and and unfortunately in the world that we live in it's just it's just what we live in there is there's no real equity in that no, <laughs> there's the not um and it's it took me a long time to help my younger son understand that there was no equity um mm. <laughs> he was diagnosed at six years old on the autism spectrum mm. but he's so high functioning that if somebody doesn't tell you that you don't know it. Don't know it. Right. And, but he also knew that he had stumbling blocks. So he mm-hmm. would very openly tell his teachers, his classmates. And instead of appreciating the kid that he was, um, they just, they didn't want any part of him because, oh, I may catch that. And there's no such thing as catching it. Um, but it took him a long time to, finally find himself um mm-hmm. about a month ago he moved to the dallas texas area and he's working for two sports teams and but he also will say to me it's not fair in the workplace i see or did they choose me because i'm on the spectrum or did they choose me because of my value right and then he'll look at somebody else and he'll go that person is so good they're being wasted in their position. And I keep reminding him life isn't fair, but if we put one foot in front of the other, we can start making baby step changes. And that's what it's going to take. Right. Right. That, that's, I mean, the thing is, is that we're not going to make an, um, an overall change. First of all, let's, let's just look at it like this. People disliking other people for their differences has been here since the dawn of time and it's never going to end. But all we can do is, this goes back to your earlier question, do our best to treat people civilly. And that that's the thing. We, we, that's all we can do. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the Media Boss 
podcast. What what do you talk about? How often do you do it? Well, the Media Boss podcast, it, it comes on weekly. And um, what we do is we want to show people why it's important to use more media in your business, why it's important for you. And it's like for people who are speakers, authors, coaches, who know that they have a message, know they want to reach a wider audience and may be sitting there going, okay, I got this thing going, but it's still not getting me all the places I need to be. We're letting them know that there are other forms of media that you should be using and could be using to get yourself out there. So what I do is I, I usually bring on guests who are doing various things in media, usually like not, not just one person who may have a book, because uh, it's not just to promote someone's book. It's actually someone who has a book who may have a podcast too, who, so letting them know that you can do various things in media and still get your message out there. Some have uh, Roku TV channels. I, and I also bring people on who help facilitate those things. I had a guest one time who, who actually trains people and sets up people's Roku TV channels. I've had people on there who help people write books, who help put your marketing in your, together, your social media, your your branding and all those things, because I want to let people understand that it, it it's a whole package that you need, sure. but it can be done. And when you can do that, then that's what I tell you. I said, when you can control your media, that's what I call a media boss. So what about the person? And I hear a lot of this. Um, because they consider media social media. We've already talked about there are various yeah, kinds. Uh, but the person who says, um, I don't have time for that. Well, it doesn't take much. Whatever whatever you're doing right now, you can repurpose that. You can repurpose your content. See, here's the thing that people don't get. Okay, let's say that, let's say you have a podcast. You could take that podcast, just like you did. You could set up a camera right now and all of a sudden, now you've gotten another form of media. You can take the transcript of that and turn it into a blog, turn it into an ebook. You get enough of it, you can turn it into a physical book. So you just, just like that, you could turn that whole uh, video podcast into a webinar if you want to and have that streaming. You could do a lot. You could set up another camera, show on a different angle and start shooting a documentary about yourself. <laughs> so it's a lot of different things you can do with media, the same content. You don't have to change it. It's the same content. And you can just use that and just repurpose it. You could and put it and you can also put it on social media as well. But there's a lot of things you can do with it. It's not a matter of time. People use that as an excuse. It's really not a matter of time. It's a matter of whether you're willing to learn something new, whether you're willing to put in the effort to, to put yourself out there, or willing to hire someone to do it for you. Because there are people, I mean, I have a team. I do that for people all the time. Well, and I totally agree with you because one of the things I found that I started doing about five years ago, um, many of my podcasters um, on New Cleveland Radio, they didn't have any kind of social um, connection. Maybe they had a Facebook page, but they very rarely went out there. Mm -hmm. um, none of them had websites. Um they had email addresses, but they admitted that they don't like answering emails. So they weren't getting what they needed. And so I started number one with my brother, who's mm -hmm. been a Scrabble tournament organizer for 30 plus years. Interesting. And I said, you need a website. Mm -hmm. He sells all these Scrabble 
things that he creates, uh, boards and bags and whatever. And I said, people, have, you have to tell people, go to this site. You can purchase it. Go to this site. You could learn something. And he found that as soon as I built this site and I maintain it weekly, because I believe that when people come to your website, if they don't see a little something new occasionally, guess what? They're not going to come back. And so I showed them. Sometimes I just go change a picture. Sometimes right. I put another article on there. But then all of his podcasts were there too. So he only had to remember one URL. And people could find everything they wanted about him. And then I went to my next podcaster and said the same thing. I said, I know you don't have time. Once we create it, it basically is on its own, other mm -hmm. than to make sure it's being maintained. It's fresh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about people who say they don't have time. Yeah. When I can show them, I just need this much of your time right now to get the information that we need to first get out. Yeah, we, we all have time. We just we just um we haven't yeah. made made good use of our time. Because <laughs> I mean we all have the same amount of hours in a day. It's just that other people make the most of it, other people don't. And a lot of times the the I don't have time thing is more in our mind than anything. We just we we tell ourselves that and we buy it. <laughs> but I don't have time. No, you got time. You got time, you have time to do the things you want to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had three phone calls I was supposed to make yesterday. They weren't business. They were personal. Uh -huh. I kept finding reasons why I couldn't do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> really? And and I knew I didn't want to make those phone calls yesterday. And so what I should have really been honest with myself mm -hmm. is saying, I'm not going to do this today. So, yeah, I'm going to do it another day. But all day long, it kept circling in my head. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, it was like, I'm so glad I didn't do that. But now, when am I going to do it? Well, because... and see, one of my friends, I heard him say a while ago, he said, there's only one real reason why people don't get things done. He said, they don't feel like it. He said, it's not a complicated answer. It's yeah. just that they don't feel like it. <laughs> you are so right. So, Barrett, how can our listeners find you and gain more wisdom that they may want for their future? Well, I tell you what, um, I got a complimentary gift for them. They can go to the website, www.five, the number five, five ways to paying clients.com, five ways to paying clients.com. And it's just me doing a, a, a complimentary training on them about how to get clients. And at the end, if you want to reach out to me, I have a, I have a, a challenge that I do. It's called a, a make money from media challenge. And uh, there's one coming up, but you can just go in there and it'll tell you a little bit more about that as well. And they can reach out to me and uh, we can talk some, some more. And we will put all that in the show notes. So there's no excuse for you to say, hey, I don't have time to go look this all up because all you have to do is click and you'll get to where you want to be. There you go. That's easy. Well, Barrett, thank you for joining us on Avoid thank the you, Maze. Yeah, so much fun. Um, and we'll have to do this again. And, yeah. um, you know, next time, uh, maybe the green screen uh, <laughs> will, will show up. I mean, even those of us who know media, 
there are days, there are glitches oh. that, you know what? Let's just move on. Exactly. You got to. Thank you again. It was nice meeting you. And we'll talk soon. Bye-bye right. now.